Hello everybody, welcome to yet another Britain Yankee Craft Beer Podcast. My name is Phil Clark and I am the Brit. And we're out on the road again. This is podcast number 391. We're at a brewery that we should have been at a lot earlier than we were. In fact, we did come when they first opened, but I don't know if we ever recorded anything. That was quite a few years ago now, probably over three, four years ago. So we thought, well, we have to put that to rights because my co-host today, Ken McMullen. Hello, Ken. Buenos dias, Phil. You were supping there on your first brew, right? You were getting a calibration beer. Yes, it's actually and quite tasty. A light lager. Light we'll, lager. We'll, we'll find out what it's called in a minute, but it's good, isn't it? It's good. It's good. It looks beautiful, clear. Golden a yellow. A little bit of uh, breadiness in it. I get like light fruitiness, I imagine, from a little bit from the hops. Right. And so how the connection is with you, Ken, is that you used to work with the brewer that we're about to talk to here at Two Hound Red Brewing in Glen Ellen, Illinois. That's a mere hop, skip, and a jump from the Britain Yankee Studios. And I'm very happy to say that we're going to welcome Mr. Steve Wartendike. Did I get that right? Yeah, Steve okay. Wartendike. That's there me. we go. Yep. Hi, Steve. You're Hi. the head brewer, right? Yeah, I am. Now, what is your association with Ken, otherwise, other than being chums? So, uh, my first foray into the uh, brewing industry was as Ken's assistant at Limestone Brewing in Plainfield. Wow, there we go. That was your first brewery down here in Illinois, right? Or was it not? Yes. Okay, yes. Okay, good. And that, was that your first brewery, uh, uh, yeah, Steve? That was my very first brewing job, yeah. I uh, did everything I could to uh, pop my head in, even uh, working in construction a bit, which I had no business doing, so that I could... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the construction of the brewery or the... Co- yeah, yeah. Okay. I was uh, putting up walls and painting and nailing things and... I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but uh, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. And actually, we if you hear a hum in the background, speaking of construction, two things. Number one, the hum in the background is the coolers because we're sitting in the barrel room, right? There are no barrels in. Well, there are barrels in here, but not wooden barrels, well, but you're getting that. We'll yeah. get to that, yeah. And then outside, there is heavy road construction around the Main Street, Glen Ellen. Now, has that construction affected the brew pub any? A bit, yeah. It's It's been, right now, it's not so, so bad getting in. It was pretty tumultuous trying to traverse through Pennsylvania Avenue, which is what we're lo- where we're located. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, things get buttoned up even more and we can be completely open. But yes, it, it's been a bit rough just getting here. Luckily, we do have a parking lot, so if you can make it in, we've got a place for you to park and so, yeah. And everybody should be making it in this weekend because if I believe on the 30th, it is your Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest yeah. All right. And that 
is a good segue because Ken, our first sample, I guess our second sample because we had a calibration beer, is your Oktoberfest Marzen. Yeah. So, Ken, your thoughts first, oh, and then a, we'll hear about how we made it. So, another great looking beer, nice caramel, dark amber color, persistent head. It's kind of nice, bready, toasty aroma. It's a little cool because you've just served it out of the tanks and I know yeah, yeah. That, you know I think beers like this they certainly deserve to sit for a little bit to release a bit more flavor but my initial taste as Ken says all he said and a lovely dry finish not too dry but one that just says you have to have another sip that's always the plan yeah <laughs> and that's always the plan so how uh, what was your what was your um, how did you make this beer and if anything special on it um just in that it's a little bit different from last year's, well, there's a few things that made it different. So um, I made it three years running, um, and the first year um, I had whatever recipe. It was, you know, the traditional stuff you, you do. And I ran out of my Munich malt, so I had to get Tom from Tom Quarter from... Penrose. 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 <laughs> my brain uh, early in the morning, yeah. So uh, I had to get him to get... Uh, a bag of grain for me which worked out pretty well because one of our owners um, who owns also Gammon Coach House uh, is is close to there and was able to just pick it up and bring it over here. We know him and it's John Wythe. John, that's it. (laughs) Hello John if you're listening. Hopefully (laughs) you will be, yeah. (laughs) And so I ended up using because he didn't have uh, Munich 1 which is what I uh, was using so I ended up using the Munich 2 that he gave to me which uh, made it a, a bit darker, but it was it turned out great. So when I made it the next year, I did it again with that same malt because I liked it so much. And then this year, I felt that the head was falling too quickly, so I added in some dextrin malts to to make sure that the head st- stuck around and gave it a bit more body. In yeah, and it's interesting because when you pour these out, you know we've got kind of samples here to lay down samples. And you brought it over, he says, oh, I didn't get a good head on it for you. And he, you brought it back, and there's a picture, a big picture on the website. It's a fantastic head, and, and it's lacing down the down the uh, slim glass that we have here, which is great. Are you going to have steins? I do have them, yes. And okay. uh, we've got a, a special for them. If you get the first fill that you get, you'll get the glassware and the first fill for $15. And subsequent fills will be uh, $10. Wow, that's pretty good. And it's a full liter? It is a full liter, yes. Wow, yeah. that's really good. Well, I'm sure John Bitterman will be down here <laughs> yeah, to, sniffing yeah, around to get his glass. He actually got one last year. Oh, he got yeah. one, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he comes again. Though. Very good. So lots of activity going on there this weekend. What is your story then, Steve? We, we've just heard that you started out with Ken. And ha- by the way, Ken, how was he? He was great. <laughs> oh, okay. You wouldn't, yeah, say, you wouldn't say anything else now, <laughs> would you? <laughs> Well, that was the only job until the one I have now that I had someone helping me. And Steve and I were, at at one point, we were producing 550 barrels a year, just the two of us. And it was all sold, you know, in the restaurant. We weren't distributing at all. So that that place was impressive. Yeah, right. Because you worked our asses off. You were also a brew pub there. And and that's what Two Hound Red is, uh, a brew pub that... There's a, there's a big restaurant. I would say you've got a lot of restaurant area here, sure, but you've yeah. supplemented that with fantastic beers. So, okay, so you work with Ken, and then where'd you go from there? 
So from there, and so Limestone closed toward the end of my tenure, and from there, Chicago Brew Works was op- opened up their homebrew supply shop just behind there, and we got to be really That's good friends. That's down in Plainfield? Mm-hmm. Right, down in Plainfield. We got to be good friends with uh, Brandon Wright from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Workforce. Yep. Yes. And so I started bagging grain with him for a while, and then took a job at two uh, two brothers in Warrenville and I was there for a couple years and then but I was also working on the weekends at and now this time Brandon had moved his homebrew shop to right where workforce stands now well in that area anyway in that and so I was working there on the weekends and then around the time that he was going to start no it was actually quite a bit before he was opening where his location is now for workforce I worked with him uh, as a brewer for a while. Then I became head brewer for a while. Then we opened up the new brewery that he's got there, and then we separated and got more people, and it it, it grew and grew and grew. And then COVID happened, and we all went on a uh, hiatus. I went on unemployment for a while. And there was a time when he Brandon called us back and said, "If you're ready to come back, it, you know we can take you now." And I wasn't ready. Things were still, you know, infectious out there. And so I stayed home for a little bit longer. And then when it was time for me to be ready, and I was like, "Okay, I'd like to come back now," he's like, "Well, you know, sales aren't where they need to be currently." And that was still doing curbside. And, and all that stuff so it was st- still scary in the business sense and so he's like call me back in two weeks and we'll see where I'm at there and I did that for a few cycles and it just didn't pan out and one of my friends who I worked with I used to also work at an Irish pub called Finnegan's way back in the day also at the time when I was working at Limestone. So one of my friends who I worked with at Finnegan's, he was the chef there, his name was Dave, and then I also worked with him at uh, Two Brothers, he was a chef there too. He became a chef here, and I, on just a side note, just called him because I was looking to figure out a way to uh, grill a particular kind of meat, and so I called him, and he's like, did you hear that I'm working at Two Hound Red? And I was like, I heard that, but I don't know anything about that place. Like, what is it? And he's like, it's a brew pub. I'm like, really? Who's brewing there? And then he he told me, but made it seem as though that relationship would be dissolving soon. So I was like, well, throw my hat in the ring and see how that goes. He's like, are you serious? Because I'll get you in right now. And and so it really uh, moved along pretty quickly. But I took an interview over at Gammon Coach House with John uh, Apparently it went well, and then <laughs> and the rest is history, as they <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really good. Is Dave still here? He's not anymore. Oh, yeah. Dave's not here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's not here. Oh, okay. So he moved on, and you stayed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting how the relationships go around. You know, our particular Chicagoland area, and everybody is trying to help everybody out. It's it's amazing, really, when you think about it, because you're all in competition. <laughs> well, I don't think of it so much as competition. We're all working together to kind of compete against a, a larger grouping. Exactly uh, what I was going to say. We're yeah. in it together against the ginormous corporations. There you go. And to dominate pro- this field. And to provide people like me with great beer. That's all that has to be said. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I've been in corporate situations before where 
you know, anything that you knew was uh, knowledge that was proprietary to where you were and it couldn't go anywhere else. We go to meetings quarterly and spill the beans on everything. This is what I'm doing. This is how I did it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a whole networking thing. Yeah. (laughs) So now I think you said there was a brewer here. I, I remember coming here four years ago and there was a different brewer here i can't remember his name but um he's since left and i think if i remember rightly there was taught that okay it wasn't doing so well but now it seems like i've come back here today you've got a really thriving restaurant you've got great outdoor uh situation out there um i looked around your brewery and boy oh boy it's it's cleaned up to what it used to be when i was here earlier so was there a change in ownership or something ownership no but management a few times and i was given philosophy probably (laughs) yeah Yeah. kind of free reign to make changes so i did i sold some equipment i purchased some equipment i i um changed things around a bit and it is what it is now. And the rest is history, as they say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and now you're canning, right? We are, yeah. I've got a, a wild goose gosling, so it's a, a smaller unit, but it gets the job done. I do usually about 50 case runs in a day, and it, it's pretty good for getting the cooler that we have up front filled, plus uh, a bit of sales outside. Yeah, and that's always good because I know, Ken, you've got to-go sales, You've got a small little area there with to-go beers. And that's, I think, what we, the consumers, look for when we go to a brewery. If we really like something, we go, oh, do you have that to-go? And, you know, if it's not, if you don't have it in a can, then you've got it in a growler or maybe a, you know, a growler, which I know you've got growlers. We've got growlers, (laughs) howlers, cans. Uh, We'll give you uh, six little kegs for your parties. And, uh, so you give them away? Not give okay. them. <laughs> we'll make available <laughs> them for purchase. And, okay. uh, yeah, so whatever format you need, we'll, we'll help you out. That's really cool. Well, I like this Marzen tremendously. It really goes down well. You've finished yours, Ken. Yes. I've got to finish mine. Good. We'll come back in just a second, take a real quick break. I want to find out a little bit more about your brewing equipment, if you'll pardon the expression. Mm. After that short break, you said the next beer we have to taste is going to be the other beer that we are serving at the Oktoberfest that you can buy in the Steins, which I just took a picture of. It is a true size liter Stein. That is a heavy bugger. (laughs) Yes, I'll say it's a big one. So this one is called Smokefest, and it is a smoked Meritzen, and so it will be available in. The one liter Stein. So did you brew another, a separate batch? I did. Or? I and so I have a pilot system, and this was brewed on that pilot oh. system. It's a, I did a barrel and a half total, and in that I used thirty pounds of smoked malt. So thirty pounds and uh, a German smoked malt. Yes, it is beach smoked malt. Beach. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that will be the traditional smoked malt that right. I know that they use at. Shall- how do you pronounce Schlenkerla. it? Schlenkerla. Schlenkerla. That's it, Schlenkerla. And a very interesting fact, I listened to a podcast about the guy who runs Schlenkerla, and he said that before the, a British guy came along, I think it was in the late 1700s and the early 1800s, all beer had a slight smoky flavor to it because they could not separate out the smoke 
from the drying the, process. The drying process, and it, so it, all the malt had a slight smokiness. And then along comes some silly bugger from England, who creates this device that sucks out the smoke, so you get a cleaner malt. And the rest is history, as they say. Well, that was history. So, um, you know, we are drinking a historical, or is that an historical beer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, smoky beers, Rauch beers, are one of my favorites. Oh, I hope you enjoy this one. Okay, mm. Ken. One of my least it. favorite beers. Oh, really? Are oh, smoked okay. beers. Oh. What do you, uh, because so, they can be so easily over-smoked. Yeah. And, but I'll tell you, my first taste on this it was super smoky. I think it's like drinking a sour or a whiskey or anything that's got a real strong flavor. You got to palate acclimatize. So I, think I said that backwards. Acclimatize Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, you know, second, mm, second, third sips. Beer. This is nice. This is a a, a nice twist on the. I the like this a lot. The the smoky aroma is not in your face. It's it's medium, mm-hmm. and the taste is not as strong as. Like a, a Bamberg Rout right. beer, or something like that. I can cite our oh, history's Rout beer as being pretty darn good and pretty darn smoky. This one is right medium. The finish, just like with the Marzen, little more dry than it was then, and I guess that's the smoke. You know, if you're around a bonfire, your mouth kind of gets dry. Very nice indeed. I like this beer as well. <laughs> so I also wanted to mention about the the regular Oktoberfest that it's not so traditional in that they should be in the 6% range, and that is a, a 5%. I wanted purposely to have people – I wanted the drinkability, so I wanted yeah. to lower it down a little bit so that uh, people could have a lot of it. This, on the other hand, I'm pretty sure people aren't going to be slamming. So I did this in a 6% range. Actually, 66 <laughs> So it's See, and that would be the least reason why I would slam this beer. It, probably the most reason is because people don't can't get acclimatized yeah. to, as you said, they can't get acclimatized to, you know, smoky beers. I think if you go to Bamberg, they say, yes, you have to have at least two or three before you are knowing your understandings of Bamberg <laughs> smoky beer. <laughs> probably. Yeah. So tell us about your system. So I've got two. I've got a pilot system. It's a Ruby Street system, and that's what this was produced on. And it's mm. a one-barrel system, but I've got a barrel and a half fermenter, or three of them. So when I do that, I either do two consecutive three-quarter barrel batches to fill it, or I'll do a high-gravity brew on at one time and then liquor it down to what I'm looking for to, to top that up. And then I've got a 15-barrel system. It's a Crawford system, and I've got a I've got four fermenters and two ABE bright tanks. So that kind of rounds that out. And I've mentioned I've got the Wild Goose canning line, and I've got a Premier Stainless three-vessel keg cleaner. Oh wow, he's got a keg cleaner, <laughs> which I have is keg cleaner envy. Yeah, <laughs> I know uh, a lot of places will you know take their kegs to other places because they can be quite expensive, right? Yeah, we used to create a manifold and use sinks to clean at limestone, and I knew that after seeing other systems, I was like, I'm going to try to get something that does it a little bit more automated. Pretty sure we weren't cleaning our kegs fully with that. There's a couple of steps in there that. You'd have to be feathering a valve manually to get the spear cleaned and to get the, like, 
it's not the best option to build your own keg washer. Yeah. <laughs> Better to drive and keep clean on a really nice one than to build your own. And yet again, another task of the 75% that's cleaning and the 25% that's actually brewing. And, and then even more so because we'd have to do like cleaning prior and then sanitizing like day of and then uh, here I can do it all at the same time and then fill. Mm. So how many times a week do you actually brew it? Obviously you have been brewing a lot more because you're getting ready for Oktoberfest. Correct. Yeah. But I do at least once a week if not twice. But that's kind of where I, I top out mm-hmm. and what so what's the favorite beer here so what's your flag beer was it flag beer flag flagship, flagship beer there yeah we go. so that would be the first one that you had <laughs> the angel of light that's oh right American okay. light lager and that sells by far more than anything else and I brew it over and over and over and over again labor of love though and, and it's got a little rice in it, right? It does, yeah. Okay. yeah. It has an, it's an adjunct lager, and, and it does have rice for that. And then um, seasonally that can change. And right now the Oktoberfest, the, the clean Meritzen, is, is the second seller. So, and then it kind of goes in the other places, maybe what I've got specially on or, or something like that. Does your beer range go from, you know, Imperial stouts to light lagers, or the other way around? I find in-house we don't sell higher alcohol beers all that well, so I range from the mid to high fours all the way to about seven, and I think that's kind of where where I go. Is that because of the demographic in Glen Island? I believe so, and I think that's going to be changing, which I know we're going to be talking about this a little bit probably later with uh, the barrels that we were talking about that I would be filling. Mm-hmm. So now that I've got a bit of a bigger footprint, having a salesperson and all, we can start doing the higher alcohol beers, barrel aging, doing all that kind of stuff, and then if it doesn't sell here as well, it will sell outside of here. Right. Well, so. so you said now you've got a salesperson, so right. that... that means obviously more cans more and, cans uh, kegs uh, and, and all the rest all, of it. all of that yeah yeah okay so you're starting to dis- distribute a little bit more then correct okay. absolutely yeah and that's self-distribution true yes okay oh cool <laughs> now the, the when i came in and through saw your system i know the last time i was here there was a lot of crap all over the place because you are in a very old building, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so I think when it was initially installed, there was some corners that were cut and things were kind of not quite as smooth as they, they are now, from what I can tell. What's, what was this building at one time? Uh, it used to be Schmidt's Pharmacy, and I know it was like one of the older style ones where you had like the soda jerks and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, and I don't know if it had anything prior to that. But uh, I know that that's what it was prior to us. Or and if you look at the ceiling, it's kind of a curved wood. and Barrel truss. Barrel truss. Right. Okay. So that so makes shaped sense. shaped like a barrel and yep. it has trusses. Yeah. I mean, it's got the traditional cross trusses between the rafters. But as you say, it's, 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 it's shaped like a barrel. Now, I know in a lot of breweries, it's noisy. How, how does that, does the wood soften the noise? Would you tell me? Is it? Do you find it? To oh be right. Out? Okay. I guess we're in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
we're here. I don't get any echo in here, but yeah. you know, obviously I'm getting the coolers because we're sitting close to that. I wasn't right. here at its founding, so I don't know what it was like before because this used to be, from what I understand, a drops ceiling, mm. and and they took that all out, and then now it's all exposed. I don't know what it was like when it had the drop ceiling in as opposed to what it is now, but I think it's working out uh, pretty well for sound. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you are a full restaurant brew pub. Correct, yeah. Which is obviously different to Ken, your your place, which is just a brewer at the moment with, you know, food trucks that are coming. So you don't have food trucks. We don't, but we, like you said, we have a full restaurant, so anything that, whether it be desserts, main courses, side dishes, all the stuff, we've got all those things for you. And do you do pairing dinners? We do. We've done quite a few of them. We used to do them all through the year, kind of one a month or so, and are slimming it back a little bit to just fall and winter. Mm-hmm. We find that those months do a little bit better for them. So, yeah, because people like to be inside. <laughs> right. So so you'll see them come back, and mm-hmm. we've kind of do themed dinners where it'll be either a Valentine's centered around Valentine's Day or it'll be a particular region, whether it be Mexico or Ireland, or if we did a St. Paddy's Day one or or whatever, and maybe we'll even do the British Isles. Uh, Have you done a... Yeah, you want to do St. George's then. Now, interestingly, okay, St. George, although he's the patron saint of England, he's the patron saint of a lot of other places as well, and I think he actually started out in Eastern Europe. Um, But uh, for St. George's Day, which I think is in May, May 22nd? If I remember rightly, somewhere around there. Would you do something like that? I'd love to. Because you do have Wheaton Meat Market. I know you're in Glen Ellen, but it's Glen Ellen Wheaton. You know, Wheaton Meat Market. I've heard they do a good British banger. Oh, bang uh, on. Yeah. (laughs) A good friend of mine, John, from John's Tavern that used to be, he used to do on St. George's Day, he'd go and get them to make British bangers, so there we go. British bangers, bangers and mash. Oh, you know, I'm in. I'd a love good to do gravy. That. Yeah. And yeah. then what would you pair that up with? Do you have you make a good English pale ale? I do. So I don't have it currently with us, but I do have a beer I call Pubs in Parliament, which is a um, English style pale ale, um, and um, I kind of in the ESB range. And then I also do a counterpart to that, the American uh, pale ale. And I call that kegs in Congress. What's the difference between the two? So it'll be malt selection. So in the English one, I use Maris Otter. It's an English malt. And then I'll also use English-style hops, which will be a bit more um, spicy and, and earthy and, and things like that. And then in the American one, the, the hops will be more fruity. The malt will be a bit more neutral, and it'll mm-hmm. be kind of like that. With more neutral malt bill, the the British one will have a bit more character coming from a nutty character coming from the malt, and then uh, more spicy, earthy hops. So, Cam, when he was with you, what did what did you have him brew? Well, st- I mean, we, very similar stuff to what we've got going now. We, did did we he have a, a bent towards a particular style? I know. What I, I liked um, <laughs> Brew Monkey's. Brew Monkey oh, Belgian, did you do yeah, that Belgian one? Triple. Yeah. Yeah, I was there wow. during the time, yeah. So Steve would clean the tanks and measure the grain for me at the end of the day, and then I'd go in and mash in and start the brew in the morning, and then Steve would show up, and we'd keep you know, kind of 
kept that going. We actually were brewing. We're on a seven barrel system there. Yeah. We were brewing quite a bit. Yeah. At, at that time, the uh, brew system was very visible from the window. Um, right. When you walk in, and you'd regularly have children and and their families and stuff all with their. Uh, Faces pressed against the glass, and uh, so, so. this is a this giant is glass wall <laughs> with is. a bench for waiting for your table. And we had two and three hour waits sometimes. That oh. was insane. And what year was but this? That was two thousand and nine okay. through like two thousand and twelve. It was right. That was back when there were still probably less than three thousand breweries in the country. There you yeah. go. It's yeah. like nine thousand now. <laughs> so you said you brew Brew Monkey, which I know is one of. My favorite, favorite beers of um, Ken's, yeah. So now I know it's yours, Ken and Steve. <laughs> yeah. This whole That's talking great. about that window was the the brew monkey. We were the brew monkeys yeah. behind the glass. <laughs> we joked about putting signs up and say, "Don't feed the monkeys," or you know, "Send them beer instead." Or something. You know. yeah. those are in the happy days. <laughs> so do you do, do Belgians here now? I do. Um, typically, those beers I will do on my pilot system. And so the, the most higher alcohol things or things that I think are fun, I will do on the pilot system. And things that I know are going to sell really well, I'll do on the larger system. And then if the stuff from the small system t- tends to sell really well, it'll then get made on the big system. So I do it like that. Yeah, right. And that's that's always a advantage of having a pilot system, mm-hmm. you know, because... You can test them out. It's right, the yeah. pilot bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although if I had my pilot testing out flying a plane, I don't know that I'd enjoy that. But <laughs> the smoke Mars and back to this, absolute. I think this is a really nice. In fact, actually, it settles in to be a lot less smoky after the first sip and slowly balances out. So you've got that nice medium. There's just a little bit in I, there. I hope uh, you know everyone that has one makes it down to the end of their glass and enjoys mm. it. Yeah. I remember I went to an Oktoberfest at a local restaurant, Schnitzelplatz, many moons ago, but I managed to get five liters down. And <laughs> oh. I have no idea how I did it, and I have no idea how I got home. But <laughs> thank you, Kim. <laughs> right. All right. I was, I was doing some research while you guys were ha- having your chat there, and I found some things out, like these tin tiles. Tin tiles. That was on. the original oh. drop ceiling in here. Oh. It was a tin-tiled ceiling. Oh, uh-huh. and that's behind us. Okay, yeah, yeah we'll take a picture of that. This is the barrel room. That's what we call yeah. it, yeah. And that Schmidt Pharmacy was here for 40 years. Back wow. in the... Before this. That's what it was right what, before this. Yeah, what what era was that? I think it was like 19... I mean, 2018, right? Oh, uh, yeah, we... That you guys opened? I think oh, we opened 20, in 2019. Oh, oh okay. Um, oh, officially. So it was there for 40, so in the 60s. 67, yeah. I think, is when they said it. Opened. And I know what I wanted to ask, because you mentioned this back in the days when there was a soda jerk, right? Mm-hmm. So Ken does you know, good non-alcoholic sodas, and he does this fantastic tequila, spritzer thing, seltzer thing, yeah. Do you do any? Do you make any of those? I have done some seltzers. I did them on the, on the small system, and I haven't done them in a, in a bit. I'll probably get back to it again. So you, you know, maybe uh, next summer. Because I know, because you've got a full bar here, being a brew <laughs> pub and everything. You know, people come in; they don't want beer. They've got wine and other things. But sure, yeah, we've. You know. I've. I even bring in some non-alcoholic beers from Go Brewing in Naperville, <laughs> and I've got some ciders that I I put on for you know the gluten-free f- folk or people that want an alternative to beer. Uh, we've got spirits and wine and. 
um, th- there should be something here for everyone. <laughs> and with that, we'll take another short break, come back and taste one of your other beers. All right. Fantastic. I love the smoky one. Cheers. You have come back, Steve, with a palate cleanser, if you will. This is your Mexican lager. Tell us yeah. about it. So it's called Steel Machete, and it is just a, a light, clean Mexican lager. Corn is the adjunct in there. And I gave it to you so that you could appreciate a clean, malty beer. And then we'll, we're going to go into an IPA a little later, so I thought... A nice thing to clear the palate. Clear the palate, indeed. So it's always good to clear the palate, Ken. <laughs> what do you think about this? It's very nice. Yeah, I it's mean, a nice sweet nose to it. Like mm-hmm. a, it's just a clean, light, lighter, you know, American style Pilsner Lager, really. And, and I mean, I wouldn't have known it was quote unquote Mexican because yeah. the earlier one we had, which had the rice in it. Okay, you said I got got rice in it, and I can appreciate the difference here. Mm-hmm. I'd have to have them side by side. That's the whole thing, and <laughs> then I can figure it out. <laughs> and this is the second Mexican style lager that I I've done here or that I do here. I also have a dark Mexican lager, a Mexican style dark lager called Dia de los Muertos that is in the bright tank now and will be coming out shortly in the next week or so in time for Dia de los Muertos, which will be November 2nd. and Day of the Dead. The Day of the right. Dead, yeah. Thank you, okay. <laughs> and uh, that was the first Mexican-style beer that I had done, and then I figured I needed a counterpart to that, and that's where this came from. And this is not really like Modelo. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a different beer altogether, you know, so I'm not going to compare them. But your it dark does. Mexican lager is kind of like a Negro Modelo, right. right? If you've had to compare. This one does have some Vienna malt in it. The Mexican lagers come out of the Vienna lager tradition, and mm-hmm. I, so I wanted to, to keep to that. So I put as much Vienna malt in there as I could without changing the color too drastically. And do you do a Vienna, a, a Vienna, Vienna. <laughs> lager? I do do a Vienna lager. It's called Freud's Folly. It's also on draft. You can try that, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I know, Ken, you always say the first beer you like to try at a brewery is a Vienna lager. If they have a Vienna lager, I I get it. And the, the cool thing is more and more and more breweries are brewing them. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that's really nice. I remember Mark Wilson from Oswego mm. always did a really good, I think he got awards he did. for it. That's he did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was because that was the year that we were helping serve at your Firkin tent at Midwest Brewers. And he was in the tent next to us and the word came through he got a gold medal for it. At, nice. Was it GABF or I can't remember. Anyway, we digress. Back to Two Hound Red. So, the dying question I need to know is, what the hell is Two Hound Red? Where did that come from? So, early on, there was a sign or something. And this is the story that I heard probably third-hand, so if I mess it up a little bit, I apologize. But And they saw a sign that said 200, and it was there was a joke made about that being how much you typically spend on a bar tab 
And then, and I'm like, well, I, I spend quite a bit less than that. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and me both, mate. <laughs> well, not when you had the five liters. You're probably pretty close Oh, well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but it was confused when they read the sign from 200 to, they said, does that say two hound red? And so that's kind of where it came from. But through that, I, I kind of embellished a bit of my own idea of what that is. So the two represents the two sides of the house. We've got the restaurant side, we've got the brewery. Within the brewery, there's two sides, whether it be house beers or the stuff that I distribute, which um, won't always be the same thing, being that there's a different palette sort of in the Glen Ellen area as opposed to what I can get in a larger sense. And then the uh, hound kind of being the fun-loving aspect that we have here and the red indicating the um, passion for the brewing and, and food that we do here. Oh, okay. So you got two stories. i got two stories. You know what they say. There's always two sides to every story. <laughs> Sorry, <yeah. laughs> um, 200, two hound red. That's really interesting. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so uh, as a brewer... You've been doing it for quite a while. If you wanted to, you know, if you didn't have any res- restrictions, and every brewery has restrictions these days on how much they want to spend to brew a beer, right. whether it's going to sell. I mean, I love barley wines, but if you have a barley wine that you make, it's going to be there all year. So, because <laughs> people don't know what a barley wine is and they only have one. So, if you had a beer that you wanted to brew with no restrictions, what would you brew? I would brew a barley wine, and I have. Oh, right. <laughs> I have done, but um, on the small system, and I do still have some in the cooler from last year. I have a clean variety and a barrel-aged variety, and that'll be making its way out at uh, some point here in the future. If uh, you know the mood strikes me, maybe even Oktoberfest, who knows? <laughs> oh, I think I think you can't mix the... Is it an English barley wine? It is an English Okay, well, you can't mix the English and the Germans. You know, they don't mix very well. <laughs> so, yeah, you maybe bring that out in November or something. That's maybe, always a good maybe. time to, you know, when you want something to warm you up and it's right. cold outside, you know, bring it out there. So a barley wine. What's your favorite adjunct to use? Because a lot, and I have to say, a lot of your beers have been really clean, classic styles. And that's... Fantastic, because you're making beer that tastes like beer. But you know, you have made some with adjuncts. You know, we did a little slurp of what was it? We had American a, in the Angel of Light, my American Light Lager, and that being a rice beer. Well, rice, but we rice. had a hibiscus. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we, we had a, we had a quick taste of a hibiscus something. Lime. What was it? Lime. Hibiscus Hi, lime. lime. Yeah, and I've I've got another beer on draft I can let you try too, called Carried Away by Cardinals, which has a story too. And as most of the names do, but yeah, and that's blueberry and raspberry, and it has the American light lager at its base. And I'll let you try that. But the story, if you're interested, is my girlfriend and I sit out on our back porch, and we typically will leave berries out for the birds to carry away. So the the cardinals tend to like the blueberries and the raspberries. So I use those in the beer, and and that's how it got its name. I. Did not know that 
lot of birds will come down for berries. I'm going to have to try that. So this is a hell of a connection between you two because he likes to sit out on his back porch. Leave some, uh, especially blueberries, leave those out for the cardinals. They they love them. Yeah, Yeah, all right. And um, really cool side note is um, there's a, a male cardinal that comes and he'll pick up the blueberry and then he'll feed it to his mate. It's a really, really cool. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting because they usually do that at mating time. Um, but they do, they, they mate for quite, I don't, I think they mate for life. I'm not certain. Hmm. <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, moving on here, folks, back to the beer. Um, so you, you talked about not brewing imperial stouts and things like that. I have done. But, but you I, have, but you don't. But I don't do them on the large system, and they're not always available. They'll be okay. around in the wintertime for as long as, I'll put them on, and then whenever they empty, the, that's when they're gone. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so I want to go back to because uh, this takes me back to you talking about pairing with food. So, when you do a, a beer dinner, it, mm-hmm. do they come to you to talk about what they'd like to make, and then you pair it with the beer, or do you start with the beer and do it to what they should make? It does usually start with the food. That being said, yeah, it, it'll usually start with the food, and then I'll you know like our first dinner was a Mexican themed dinner. And so I I'll knew bet, I was going to... I bet this beer was on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I knew I was going to have some chili beers in there and stuff like that, So which I do a few of those, too. Do you uh, remember the Cave Creek chili beer? Sorry, was it? A Cave Dave's Creek Cave Creek. Creek. Yes. Uh, I don't. I don't. You don't remember it that? Out of, it was out of Arizona. Uh-huh. Yes, and they used to put... It was in a bottle. Oh, and they, oh yes, and they I do. Produced yes, I do. jalapenos yeah. of a certain... Literally of a certain size that would go through the neck, and then it would sit in the beer. Back to your chili beers. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, so I would find a dish that used, you know, that chili in it or whatever, and then the beer would have it in there. Or, you know, some IPAs who would enhance the spiciness of the, the dish or, a, you know, a maltier beer that would, you know, kind of have a caramely nature to it that would pair in with some of the richer meaty dishes with the Maillard reactions and, and things like that. So, yeah. I'll take whatever they're doing food-wise and oftentimes create beers for it, not just pick beers that I have around, but actually create beers for the dinner. Is there a secret to pairing food and beer? Well, there's kind of two schools of thought. I tend to use both, but there's beers that that contrast each other, but contrast each other well, and, you know, whether it be cleaning the palate or just two different things where what you're tasting tastes like one thing and then by the time you finished it with the beer it's kind of become another thing altogether or the pairing or comparing side of things where you have similar flavors in the dish and similar flavors in the beer and then they just work well together do you use your beer in the food uh quite often no i do yeah well, not you, but the chef. Right? No, okay, then <laughs> yeah, yeah, the chef. Yeah, the but, chef um, uses it, but, but yeah, we we work uh, well together. And what, what um, what's the best? What, what beer do you typically use in? Do you do a fish fry? Um, we do like well, a beer cheese soup and stuff, and for oh, that, okay. the American light lager. But typically, whenever I'm coming out with a new beer, he'll try to use that beer into something that he's doing, and it's different all the time. So, and I'm assuming your menu changes based on the seasons because it, yeah. mm-hmm. as we come here now into the cooler weather and we're recording this the end of september right you know i'm, I'm sure you're looking at 
as you say, chilies and stews and that type of thing. You know? Sure, yeah, and, and you can look forward to all that as it comes. Yeah. Have you got anything special that you put out for this fall season? Because it seems like, I mean, you talked about your marzen. Mm-hmm. Um, I could drink marzen all year round. And I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> but it does uh, fit in well with the season here. So, yeah. um, And so for a lot of people, that is, will be signifying that seasonal, seasonality change. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, the beers will start to get a little bit maltier, higher in alcohol, that sort of thing, as the cooler months come upon us and then lighten up as it gets more summery. I do try to get in my porters and stouts and things like that along the way during there so you're doing you're gonna do some stouts i will be doing yes yeah okay what's your favorite one i do have a star wars themed just medium or medium gravity stout called dominate your destiny and 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 i know which star wars movie was it that they drank stout in i want to know (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that was in there They did have blue milk, but yeah, yeah right. Yeah, um, it's coming out on May fourth. May the fourth be with you. Yeah. Uh, no, it will be coming out as the just as the weather starts to cool down. I'll, I'll so probably. Farmer's Almanac yeah. has <laughs> predicted a snowier, cooler, longer winter than normal. So oh, so I'll be selling more of them. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, thanks for that yeah. positive note. Lots of stouts. <laughs> oh well, okay, good. <laughs> and then I have my Imperial Stout, which I. My brain is blinking. I haven't had it on for a whole year, so I'm trying to remember what I what I call that now. Well, maybe we oh, need to come up with a new name. That chili it. beer is called Crazy Ed's Cave Creek. I oh, thought that's it right. was Dave's, yes. but yes. it's Crazy Ed's. And I, actually, and I think it's still being made by Takate. Is it? I actually went to where they make it one time, but that's another story. Okay, he, he's looking up his Imperial beer. Because he can't remember. <laughs> well, that, and that's perfectly it, great because you guys make tons and tons of beers. I mean, I drink so many beers. We go to so many places. It's tough for me to remember what the hell I'm drinking after all these places. But And with that, you have one last beer that you want us to try, right? Sure. Or more. So we'll take a, like a five-second break and we'll come back for that because that'll right. be our goodbye beer. Okay, sounds Is good. Is that what it's called? Oh, it, no, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to figure out what the name of that beer is. Steve has provided for us a nice comparison IPA test here of the two IPAs that you have on Well, I've tap. got more. I've, I've got a few on. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, these are the two you selected as, yeah, our, yeah. as our goodbye beers. <laughs> yeah, so I've got Pale Horse, which is all Nelson Sauvin hops. So that that's going to be a bit of gooseberry and white wine grape kind of uh, like from the Nelson Sauvin. Okay, I tasted it. I got peachy. Was that okay? Is that all right? Sure. I mean, everyone can get what I they thought get. it was really it could nice. Be white peach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah white peach. peach. And yeah. now you say Nelson Sauvin. The hops. Yeah, the hops. Yeah, that explains it. Okay. And then, um, but it's a pretty clean malt bill mm-hmm. the um boathouse on the other hand uses vienna malt some caramel malt and it is el dorado hops and mosaic I was, I was and it's a lot um it's got that kind of fruity finish no, but not citrusy it's kind of soft as you said yeah yeah. yeah more, you get a lot of berry out of mosaic yeah, yeah okay i'll give you that yeah el dorado 
Not. That's meant to give you stone fruit. Um, Is it? Yeah. Okay. Wasn't um, that a song by ELO? <laughs> El Dorado? Oh. oh, no, it was an album by him, I think. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic comparison between these two. Yes. That's, that's really good. Because you said they were, they were West Coast, but they're not really West Coast, are they? Well, so the Pale Horse, because it's Nelson Sauvin Hops, they come from help me here. <laughs> New, Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. That's what okay. I was. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, uh, do, um, New Zealand hops. New Zealand hops, right? And behind yeah. the behind the names. Oh, so Pale Horse is a, a biblical reference, and it comes from Revelation. Uh, oh, it's not one of the. <laughs> was it the five horsemen of the apocalypse or something? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Oh, oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, it, one of them is Pale Horse. Yeah. Oh. There were four horsemen of the apocalypse, and there was a pale horse, and upon him rode death. What's the name of the other one? The other one is Boathouse, which is a reference to Glen Ellen's Lake Ellen Boathouse. Um, Oh, right. That's where they do the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. At Lake Ellen, yeah. I know Ken tends to do a lot of regional references with his beers and stuff like that. No, he doesn't anymore. No? It's all all Fox. All Fox River. So, yeah, every beer has to be named Fox, so... (laughs) I, I've said this before. I'm just, I, I have got no more fox to give. <laughs> <laughs> He's a slave to the fox, folks. Nice. <laughs> Not true. We have a bunch of historical names and, yeah. and you know geographic yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah. we can do a whole podcast around names and what names really work well with the public you and know what, what names I, mean stuff to brewers. You should solicit. So our listeners for names, and then we get those beers and try those. There we go. So, so listeners, if you're listening in right now, pints at the Britain Yankee. Well, this would be a good test to see if they listen down to the end. To this far down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pints at the Britain Yankee. Send us in your style, your name of the beer, and then maybe one of these guys will brew it. You never know. We'll have a so competition. I'm a big fan of double entendres, so I tend to Ooh. do uh, beers with names that sound like one thing but may mean another thing, and you know, balances between light and dark and all that kind of stuff. So it's the pale horse, but yet it's got a, a dark theme. And then you've got Angel of Light, which... Well, we now that actually is good, because it was a light beer. Yeah, it's a light beer. It's very angelic. Beer names... You know, it's it's always fascinating to find yeah. out where they come from, and I've named a few. You know, so yeah, yes, you've named a few. I've I, named a few, I and that's be, I'm going to leave it there. I think it'd be cool if they sent in names of beers that exist that are interesting names, and then we round those up and taste those. Okay, there we go. That's another podcast. Interesting named beers that we can get that we're going to taste. Yes. All right. Thanks for that, Ken. <laughs> I've, it's going to cost I, me, cost me a to, fortune to find those beers. But I'll I, help you find the beers. I had another beer at one time called uh, Kill It With Kindness. And, you know, you have the, the kill it part and then the kindness part. And then uh, so I like doing go. those sorts of he things. He likes you to juxtapose. He juxtaposes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The light and dark, the oh. evil and the kind, yeah. the good yeah. and the bad. The, I, did, yeah, yeah. I did a little juxtaposing a while back, but they stopped me because it was illegal. And <laughs> <laughs> They only do that kind of yoga in Vegas. Yeah. So. Okay. Back to back to Two Hound Red, please. Right. Let's yeah, yeah. get this back on track. These these two are fantastic comparison IPAs. You said you do an I, a hazy IPA, too. I have one called Hazy Hound. Okay. So I don't always bring the 
Hound or the dog references, but in a couple beers I do. So there's Beastly Bloodhound, which is my red lager. I've got Hazy Hound, which is my hazy IPA. Mm. Do I have any others? Anyway, they're more limited. We're closed today. The phone's <laughs> ringing. We're closed. Sorry. Right. Goes to the answering machine, I assume. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. It will. <laughs> Steve, it's been an absolute fantastic pleasure coming down and trying your beers. I have to say that I don't think I disliked any of your beers. Your IPAs are fantastic. I love an IPA with a Nelson Sub- Savion. Savin. Sa- Savin, that's it. Yeah. Not Savignon. That's, a, that's the wine, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it comes from that name. Uh, yeah. Well, it because it's a great like beer. Yeah. 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 Okay. Easier to say Savin. Yeah. Right? So where tell everybody website where you are phone number what's going on well we know what's going on it's, it's Oktoberfest <laughs> right up so Oktoberfest is going to be Saturday uh, September thirtieth coming up next this coming week mm-hmm. and we are here at four eighty six Pennsylvania Avenue Two Hound Red Brewing Company and our website is twohoundred.com being the number two not the word two. And anything else that I'm missing there? I think I no, I think you're all oh, good. Oh, catch us on our socials: Facebook, Twitter. That's threads, X. Now. Yeah, yeah, all That's the X. You got Did TikTok? I say Twitter? I meant it's, it's I meant, X. No, we don't. But I, I, I didn't <laughs> mean don't. I didn't mean to say Twitter. I meant to say Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. Oh, and Threads. Okay, yeah. I don't think I know Threads. Okay, yeah. X is the other one, right? Oh, yeah. okay. X is Twitter. Now. Used to be yeah. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Elon. Yeah. Right, so Threads <laughs> is the Facebook or Meta version of Twitter. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> well, these IPAs, as they're warming up, are opening up, and yeah, let your IPAs warm up a little bit. Yeah. These are awesome. Thank I you. think I think that's one of the things with the lagers, the light lagers, and everything. Yeah, you can serve them at. What is it, 37, 36, something like that, you're serving them at. But then everything else needs to sit there for just a little bit, just to let it open up. That's what somebody needs to really invent, a way to manage the temperatures for the different styles. With And keep the uh, the head in there and keep it from right. foaming. My it, first brew pub, we had yeah. four serving tanks, and they were individually jacketed, and I did that there. There's only four. Yeah. But... It's expensive to do it that way. And how many taps you got? We've got 16. 16, so that would be a yeah. bit of a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's doing that? It's art history, right? No, they're not. They got four or eight. Right, but it's all the same behind. It's all the same temperature. Is it really? Yep. And that's the thing. You, I don't think there is anything that can control the temperature for it to be poured because you've, you've got, you, you're in the same cooler. Yeah, and the only—that's um, well, the one thing. That's the serving well, tank with the jackets, you can set different temperatures on the jackets. But even so, they run through a chase, right? Which has a refrigerant running with yeah. it. So eventually, by the time it gets to the tap, I guess they're the same. Yeah. And, and what he's talking about in art history, I think, is the fact that they do have a hand pull that they can control the temperature because it's an individual kegerator, basically. Well, yeah, on that one, and they can control the temperature on it, which. Brings me to, have you done any hand pulls? I have done... Or uh, Firkins or uh, something? Yeah, yeah, like one or two earlier on. I know we used to do them quite a bit at Limestone, and I'd love to do them. If, if there's people that want them, let me know, and I'll make sure to bring them in in the rotation. 
Yeah, it's always good to have a good firkin. Mm-hmm. And with that, <laughs> Steve, thank you very much indeed. You've told us where you are. We've tasted fantastic beers. I haven't tasted the food, so we're going to have to come down here and have come back food and, and beer. Food yeah, and beer together, which yeah. is good. So um, you don't have. You can use my other glass, okay? Because at the end of this, I basically say good night from me, and good night from him, and good night, Steve. Good night. Cheers. Lovely. Fantastic. Hey, hey, Ken. Yes. It taught him well. (laughs) It's pretty damn good. What he could hear from me. I remember him always saying, what? I can't hear you because I'd mumble with my back to him. Yes, you do. He'd be like, what? I've had to bring you out. I've had to have you enunciate. (laughs) You know how loud I am. What was that, Steve? Enunciate. There we go. (laughs) Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Yankee. Yankee. I'll have a pint. Yo, go, give us a pint. You got any tetanus? Uh, oh, pint, please, Bob. Give another pint. Please, Bob.